0: Welcome to Absolutely Crushed, the show where me, Matthew Bischoff, and my co-host Sid Anderson gossip with our guests about their biggest celebrity or character crush and dive into all the juicy details.
1: This week, we're talking to Brent Black about his crush on the mathematician Dr. Hannah Fry.
0: Brent is the creator of the Floss YouTube channel, which is closing in on half a million subscribers. He's the co-creator of the hilarious party game, Use Your Words. And he also co-hosts a podcast with my wife called Question Box, the game show of shockingly personal questions. Also, right now he's developing
2: a Star Trek parody musical. Welcome to the show, Brent. Thanks, and thank you so much for the nice bio. I, uh... You know, on me and Kate's show, I try, I try to, I try to do the same thing. So I feel honored that it was, you know, <laughs> karmically came back to me. Thank you for mentioning all those weird things I do.
0: We gotta butter people up before we ask them about their deepest, darkest crushes.
2: And see, that's the secret. It's like a good interview, like softball. Start <laughs> nice, and then come in with the the blades. Not really. exactly. I'm pumped.
1: Totally. And before we start talking about your crush, we just want to know what's your current like media obsessions. So, like, what are you watching, reading, listening to?
2: Oh, man. Um, Well, (laughs) okay, this is... (laughs) I feel like this is a secrets and, like, ooh, gossip kind of pod. (laughs) So I will just tell you that I'm following a slow-moving train wreck uh, in the game dev world. It is a console called the Intellivision Amico, That was started by—I'll try not to make this a whole monologue, but basically it's an attempt to have a family-friendly alternative to Nintendo in a cheaper console um, that that calls back to the Intellivision, which was a late 70s, early 80s, like, you know, ancient, early game console. But basically— it has. It is the fire festival of game consoles, you know, including lies, desperate scrambling. It's just a very slow fiasco, and there's a teeny, tiny, teeny, tiny group of people on YouTube that even give a shit, and they release videos all the time. So now I'm in this weird—I don't do anything—I don't really release anything because the guy in charge of the console is— um, he's a, he's a he's a colleague that I worked with at one time his reputation is kind of dwindling I'm not I don't want to publicly trash him cuz that's politically yeah. not great um but I will say regardless of his behavior which speaks for itself as as a fledgling game dev and someone in the video game scene in terms of the media that I make it is just a I mean, once a decade or once a... I don't know. It is the Gizmondo. It is the Swan. It is the... If you don't know what these mean, these are like consoles that were ugh, attempted... And what just... was the
0: one? I'm trying to think of the one that was like the Obi or something. It was like oh, the, that this sounds... Kickstarter console that was like we're going to stream every game, and it was just a little bit too early before game streaming was really a thing.
2: Interesting. I'm, I'm thinking of the Uya, but I don't think that's what you're talking. Yeah, about. yeah that's was it. it the that's Ouya? it. That's it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And the Ouya was basically just like a media box. It was sort of like if right. you were like, let's make a video game system that's essentially a Roku, um, a little bit huh. more powerful, but that was about the power it had. And and this is a similar story, but the Uya. Um, was $99 and this thing was supposed <laughs> to retail at like 149 to 179 and now it's up past $300 um, oh God. for a console that has a chip that was a budget Android phone chip in 2016. Um, yeah. So like it just keeps getting worse and, you know, is it? Is it OK to – I'm not exactly laughing at the misery involved. It's just I cannot look away. You said the word obsession and immediately I went, you know, this isn't like succession. It's not euphoria but it is what I'm tuned into you've right got, now.
0: You've got 12 tweet deck columns up. They're all searching for the mentions of this person and the ha- filter <laughs> follows over here and we've got to yes. just make sure I see all the drama about yes,
2: this. Yes, Exactly.
0: Yeah, these Kickstarter these Kickstarter issues come up all the time, and like it, it, in the world that I'm in of, of fancy pens, right, mm-hmm. fountain pens and whatever, people are always saying, "Oh, we'll make it. We'll make an incredibly fancy pen. We'll machine it out of the, this incredible material, and we'll ship." And like three years later, they can't make a pen. You know, this happens all the right. time. Even with the simplest things, you're trying to make a game console. That's going to be pretty hard.
2: Yeah, yeah, and they, they raised, I think at one time there was $17 million, which sounds like a lot, but I'm just like, if you're trying to manufacture a piece of hardware that's going to be sold in retail, $17 million is actually really small, and I think what it goes to prove, there's another one called the Coleco Chameleon, which was failed, uh, the Atari VCS was a similar thing, like, hearkening back to older consoles, but trying to fly a little too close to the sun, and... This was just like a moderately bad idea that kept getting worse because of a strangely trumpian guy in charge. Imagine if Trump was a um a five foot three male self declared rock star who uh, has pretty close, composed, pretty close. <laughs> 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 has composed more video game music than anyone else, and he'll let you know because he paid for the Guinness record. Um, oh God! And he just like makes up features verbally that then have to be somehow integrated, oh, but no. he kind of came up with on the fly anyway. I don't mean to uh, to do. Well, the usually, whole we save, thing, we,
0: usually we save. Usually uh, we save Sid and Maya's crushes of the week for the end, but I'll just say right now, I have a crush on this person. This is this sounds
2: great. <laughs> I want to go out with them. No. Yeah, he's. <laughs> I mean, this dude is gonna. Trying to manifest a little too much, methinks. I think he's a little too into like the secret.
1: Oh my god!
2: So hopefully oh. you'll be part of his manifestations if you go yeah. there. You know?
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, well, let's let's get into some happier topics. Let's get yeah, into some fun sure. stuff. Um, you you told us that your crush is Hannah Fry. Who is Hannah Fry?
2: So Hannah Fry, I would say not with any negativity. I think the phrase I would use is pop mathematician. Because you've got certain mathematicians, in fact, I would say, almost definitely most, who don't particularly want to be in the spotlight. They don't necessarily want to write books that involve, uh, you know, like the way that Hannah Fry has. She wrote a book on the mathematics of love, and it's sort of, you know, trying to make math apply and statistics apply to broader things than they are sometimes applied to. Um, And so I say pop mathematician because she Uh, she does TED Talks. She wrote that book. She does, uh, she guests on a number of, like, fun, um, math, like, comedy math or, like, curiosity educational math Comedy math. (laughs) Well, I mean, there's a guy... It's true. There's a guy with a show, I think, I think we've both watched it now, Stand Up Maths. And Mm -hmm. it's just, like, a funny guy who happens to be a very curious mathematician and wants to show stuff. But also, she's got a podcast called The Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry, where she, um, they they look into strange mysteries that involve math and science. And now I'm embarrassed. I can't remember the first name of Rutherford, but I don't care because I'm really just listening to it for Anna. Um, but, yeah, and she's just um, – I'm not sure if it's a rare combination, but it feels like a rare combination of a brilliant mathematician, an extremely curious person, but also really charismatic and funny uh, in a way that allows her to translate – uh, not only dumb it down for non-mathy people, but also just to do it with such flair and in such an engaging way.
0: Yeah that's that's a great description. I'll just add a couple of things. She is also like a professor. And she oh, does yeah. still teach classes, so like it's, it's sometimes with these people that are more like science communicators or whatever. That's all they do. But one thing that I respect so much about her, like learning about her and, and getting into the media that you sent us uh, that she made, is like she's she's doing it all. She's writing oh, yeah. books, sure. She's she's giving TED talks, but she's also still teaching and doing math. She, she, the academic section of her webpage is huge.
2: She's yeah, absolutely. Worked
0: on so many theorems and studies, and uh, it's it's incredible.
2: For sure. And she's very cute, just to be clear. <laughs> okay, what does she look like? For, yeah. so it's, a pod, it's a podcast. What does she look like? Um, she, I would say, is, I mean, I, I don't know her heritage, but she looks sort of classically Irish. Um, she is Irish. S- yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got like a, I would say closer to a London accent, so I wasn't sure. But, um, you know, uh, bright red hair, very pale skin, very blue eyes. Um,
0: uh, I was going to ask you the eyes question. That's that's one of our that's one of our questions. Is what wh- color is your crush's eyes? And some people don't know it.
2: I'll tell you something. First off, I know anyone's eyes that I've ever <laughs> met for and talked to. I know at the very least whether they're light or dark. But usually, I can give you a color. And I, being my own little uh, mathematics of love nerd, um, usually it's brown eyes for me. Like we're talking ninety five percent. But every now and then. Somebody's just—I and mean, who knows? Who knows why these things—you know, to me, it's not a value thing. It's more just like these are the statistics of who I found myself attracted to. And—but, um, you know, she's got a very nice smile. And while you didn't ask this, I think it's important to note that she has just a really pleasant, elegant voice. Um, so—
0: yeah, this came up a lot. I was looking into why other people find her attractive and and stuff. Everybody is into the voice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, you know, I don't know if smoky is what I would say, but it's like I would say a, an alto or even a contralto register. Um, it's. I'm trying to think of, like, the right word because husky sounds like—it's not quite that. It's not quite smoky. It's just—and saying low, I don't know why that feels weirdly loaded, but it is a lower uh, voice on average. Um, And it's just so—and the accent is just like—but there's also almost always just a slight wink in her delivery, a playfulness— that uh it's just really sexy
1: yeah absolutely I really loved listening to the podcast and I want to go back and listen to more because she is just so pleasant to listen to and like there's like she's so good at like she's an amazing communicator I think a lot of it comes back like even just like outside of the like actual intonation of her voice she's just such an amazing communicator that I just want to keep listening to her exactly Exactly
0: okay, so because you got the eyes question right off the bat, I'm gonna have to ask you a harder one
2: okay A harder
0: Hannah Fry trivia question <laughs> okay um, this this I love this detail she got a PhD in mm-hmm. 2011. What was the PhD
2: in? Oh well let's just say hmm. oh shit let's let's <laughs> say let's say statistics.
0: Okay, that would make a ton of sense. She writes a lot about statistics. I get where you went there, but it's to me so much more hilarious. It's in fluid dynamics. God
2: damn it. <laughs> she just said, I just watched a video where yeah. she said a thing. She like remembered the name of a guy who was in fluid dynamics, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe it's that. Then I thought, no, that's more <laughs> like physics. That's not so much math. Ah.
0: She really understands how wet things move. Um, <laughs> <thank> you,
2: <Matt. laughs> uh, you're
1: welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> Oh my goodness! All right, so, and how how old is she? Do you know how old she is off the off the bat?
2: I would bet she's probably like, my guess is like forty, maybe 42. Oh, pretty close.
1: Thirty eight. 38. So we through, we went up we went two years up instead of two years down with your your range, but I think
2: <laughs> when I first started crushing on her, it was about seven or eight years ago. So like her only being one to one and a half years older than me probably felt you know what I'm saying, as you get yeah, older, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's expanded. It's in, the inflation exactly. of getting older probably made me think she was a little bit older and a little bit more significantly older. But wow. So, you're saying I have a chance. There's Only a
0: year. Exactly. <laughs> and
2: she would know the exact
0: chance. She would know the exact she percent. <laughs> Off
2: the top of her <laughs> head, yeah.
0: Um, so, you said seven to eight years ago, you remember uh, having this crush on her. Tell, tell me about that moment. Like, when do you remember first noticing her? What was the first thing that you saw her or heard her in? And, and what was that like?
2: I think it was a TED talk. Um, and it might have been the mathematics of love. One, I'm not sure when that came out. Oh, seven years ago. There you go. <laughs> so I think that was it. Um, that was right around the time I had I had read a book not long before that called Data. Uh, no wait, yeah, Dataclism, which I recommend for mm. anyone who wants to know more about online dating because it's a book written by one of the co-founders of OkCupid, okay um, and some of her findings coincide with the findings in that book as well. Um, in her Mathematics of Love TED Talk, which is also part of a book that I uh, read, though I didn't retain all of it, (laughs) but uh, no, I just, like, you know, there's, there's I have found in my travels and in my life that smart people, that's an attractive quality that doesn't always line up with other things I find to be attractive, and of course smart is a spectrum, there's book smart, there's trivia smart, there's, you know, emotional smartness like my my girlfriend right now is so much better at tact and conflict resolution. And that's not a thing people use the word smart to necessarily describe, but she's a fucking genius at just expressing something clearly, you know, conflict resolution. Yeah. And um yeah. that being said, the something about um not just intelligence, but also the ability to um To just have it marble cake in perfectly with charm and play as almost like just like a matter of course, a matter of like a built-in fundamental thing to her personality was so hot. Um, And, you know, I started watching more things she was in and just – you know, I think think that in a way the mathematics thing is just window dressing and it just happens to be that she's incredibly charming. I think if she were an actor uh, or – you know, whatever. I think that she, I would still have a huge crush on her, but there's something window dressing isn't fair. There's something alluring about someone who is in such an incredibly different field and probably life experience than me. Um, because I, I don't know, uh, falling in love for an artsy, falling in love with an artsy person, you not, might not necessarily love their art, but you know, or or or. Sometimes, like, the way that they um, the way, everything that surrounds their, their art and their artsiness, um, what am I trying to say here? It, it's like, I'm an artsy person, so if someone is way into their art, that's like a beige flag. Not really green, not really red, <laughs> but, like, like, it uh... doesn't, it's not exciting to me, yeah. uh, Whereas the idea of, wow, she knows a lot of stuff I don't know about and she's really good at it, like there's an allure to that, even if it actually wouldn't itself in a fantasy world lead to any additional romance.
0: I kind of wonder – like, you know, I've read a decent amount of stuff from like evolutionary psychologists and also a decent amount of stuff criticizing them. But I kind of wonder if there is something to that of like, you know – there's a bunch of research about whether opposites attract or or complements attract and mm-hmm. we'll debate that forever. But like yeah. finding someone that has something that you really don't have and and making a team out of that like mm-hmm. like you said with with your partner like uh being really good at conflict resolution and maybe not being as good at th- at that yourself or being really good at math where you're really good at art like I feel like there is something there, don't you?
2: Yeah, and and the thing is that I think that it's like in my experience, it doesn't inherently... Uh, again, this is so anecdotal, and I'm sure Hannah would tell me that. Um, this is a small cohort statistic. But, um, <laughs> but I think that it's not that that inherently guarantees anything. Um, I think that it can have to do with what we're attracted to. And I mean, also, it's about personalities. Like, I find that... If somebody's kind of a tough cookie early on, that's going to draw me in so much more than if they're just obviously incredibly open. And, and I mean, like, this is all to do with my own psychology, my own style. But um, I think that when, when you know, when you have a sense that you sh- not that I would, quote, mess with anybody, but when you have a sense that somebody is not to be messed with. Um, that is alluring in a weird kind of way because it's a little intimidating. It's puts you back on your heels a bit. It's a challenge. But, um, you know, I think that if somebody's of a very different study and profession, uh, then that can sort of be a built-in thing. Again, I don't know that it immediately leads to any romance or compatibility. I, I had a girlfriend who was fairly long term who was a scholar, like a like an absolute academic of classics and humanities, which was interesting, but also like the things she knew did not ultimately lead to a constructive relationship. It was interesting. I learned a lot about uh, Greek versus Latin <laughs> prefixes, I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. The, but, the dirty uh, talk was
2: from a different time. I mean it was <laughs> <laughs> I've never had somebody say a little to the left in Latin. Uh, So that was pretty cool. Um, But uh, no, I I think that for me, it's more about an allure than it is about compatibility. But I'm also the kind of person that um, I always just almost like involuntarily have a little bit of FOMO for whatever traits are not in the current relationship I'm in. And I think that with Hannah Fry, you know, Um, when I, when I started crushing on her, uh, I had a girlfriend who's a wonderful person, but again, artsy and not a trivia brain, um, not necessarily as curious. And I think that's probably the main thing that aside from voice, charm and cuteness that really makes me feel like Hannah Fry is so hot is that, I know that where we would line up in some fantasy relationship is we would both be like, I'm so sorry, I I need to Google that. I just have to know. I have to know what the third season of blah, 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 you know, and Mm -hmm. find out what the etymology of something is and go, hmm, do I retain it? Uh, It's a rabbit hole. And sometimes you just keep going and it's that curiosity that I find really, um, really hot, even though does it necessarily contribute to romance or compatibility? Eh, No, but it's a very... Attractive trait to me in a kind of a kindred, you're curious the way I'm curious kind of way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love the cur- – like I also find curiosity extremely attractive. Like I like I feel like I'm a pretty curious person and my girlfriend is also pretty curious. And like we watch Jeopardy all the time and that's like yeah. just something we do together is like do tri- – like ta- yell at the TV and then look things up. Because right. it's just very pleasant and like we both like to look things up. And I – Almost like Hannah Fry strikes me as like Matt was talking about how she's a professor and like she strikes me as like I am, granted, much younger than both of you um, as like the hot professor I would have in college. Like as a professor who I'd have in college yes. and who I would have a crush on or like the TA who I'd have in, in a class and be like, they're so hot and so- something like that. That's how she strikes me. <laughs>
2: You'd find a reason to go in during office hours.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. I feel that.
1: Yeah, she's just so she's so cute and knowledgeable. Have you told other people about your crush, or is this a, a secretive thing?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I um, not to jump into a huge story. Let me condense this. I, you know, you ever had one of those rare moments where somebody you've crushed on, you like seem like maybe you've got a shot. All of a sudden, like you're both single, and <laughs> yeah. So this happens to be a story where, oh, it's so complicated. But let us just <laughs> say that. You know this crush that I'd idolized and put on a pedestal. We had dinner at a convention, and it turned out like I was like, "Oh, this is not who I thought she was." I don't know how to Ooh. how to um, use this information, and I ended up walking away from what was probably a pretty sure thing in a hotel room not far away. <laughs> <laughs> but oh during that experience, I just happened to mention Hannah Fry and wax a little bit poetic. About Hannah Fry, and then I noticed that the woman from whom I walked away followed Hannah Fry and it was like you know it was just like one of the and of course maybe she watched a video and yeah. went this is great but it was just yeah. I didn't even know what the question was or what got us onto this topic but, <laughs> but but oh you about telling people yeah 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 that's my immediate thing is like just running my mouth and <laughs> talking about a crush I had to a crush I had that I then crushed (laughs) well that's that's Um, like
0: a that's such a bi thing too is like i find when i date bi people other bi people i'm like so much more open about like oh i have a crush on this person like what do you think because like gender doesn't matter whatever doesn't matter it's just like yeah they're hot like that happens all the time in my relationships with with like bi and queer folks
2: I wish that were more a part of my relationships. Um I mean I am I am bisexual. I have only had major relationships with women, but I've never really found myself in that kind of situation with a long-term partner where we could go beyond just very light mentions. Like I love that energy, I love to gossip about that, but yeah. I haven't ended up with partners that quite um, are like that, and I think the fact is a I mean, it, it's not unusual. I think that it makes probably, people
0: insecure sometimes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But totally. exactly. But but like here in the crush dome, it's it's safe. The crush dome. <laughs> ah. I just met. Oh my know. gosh, <laughs> I don't know. It's so
1: fun. Yeah, no. My partner and I talk about <laughs> our crushes on people all the time. It's ridiculous. Like I tell her, like I feel like we like watch TV, and I'm like, oh, that guy's super attractive. Like I want to fuck him, and she's like, um, okay, and then she'll be like, or she'll be like. Of course you think that it's a white man wearing a cowboy hat which <laughs> which is I don't like has become a trope in our relationship that I'm exclusively attracted to like women and white men who wear cowboy hats and like maybe have a mustache like that's that's it that's my type You've for got men. types. Apparently. Types.
2: I love I yeah I love the idea of like some people's like you have a type it's like I have types I have some types. Yeah. Um my uh oh I uh, sometimes my girlfriend will Point out an attractive woman on TV, and occasionally it's almost like a relief. I'm like, right? Oh, like, <laughs> oh, like God. Um, Shiv on um, Shiv on Succession, uh, mm. who is just what can I say? Just you know, She's and, incredibly and hot. I she really is. And I had a realization that I don't know if, this, if Hannah Fry would find this to be a compliment, but keeping in mind how much I crush on her, I was watching a video. Uh, in preparation for this podcast and realized if you spliced the genes of Tom and Shiv, it would probably look a lot like Hannah Fry. <laughs> yeah, just way nicer. Just oh, much absolutely. Nicer than either of those. But like characters. those intense those intense eyes of Tom's, but also the red yeah. hair and the pale skin. Yeah. Um, don't tell Hannah I said that. She probably wouldn't take that well, but oldie, <laughs> will DM her right after this. Don't yeah. worry. Oh no <laughs> This was so statistically likely. Um, <laughs> uh,
0: um, does, does, so she does a lot of stuff as we've talked about, right? Like she's yeah. written books and on podcasts and YouTube videos and guesting on other people's YouTube videos and TV in England. Yep. All does while teaching. Your, does, yeah. Does your crush follow her through all of that media? Are you consuming everything she's putting out or how, how are you making those decisions? So,
2: so I think that the answer, and I hope this isn't disappointing. I, so when I thought about crushes, you know, I have at any given moment, Sort of uh, a complement or a regimen of crushes on people I know. Um, you know, someone who I have
0: fifty currently. Just so to- you know what I'm <laughs> saying. Yeah,
2: you know exactly yeah. what I'm saying, and I, I don't know okay. why I needed to hedge that on a crush podcast. I think you may you may get it, but like you know, the kind of person that maybe you look at their Instagram story too soon after they posted it, and they mm-hmm. well, you know that kind Absolutely. of thing. Yeah, um, but she was like an obsession, an obsessive crush for me. Between, I would say, the seven and five year ago thing. And I still watch her stuff occasionally. I've listened on and off to the podcast. But she's sort of an evergreen crush that has cooled Mm. to not a phase, but not quite as... I mean, it's almost like the crush had its own honeymoon phase, but now is cooled to a mature kind of measured and respectful crush. If it's like beautiful
0: sense. volcanic rock. You know? Yes. It's like yes. magma that is turned. You still keep it in your house because it's this like it's this beautiful Obsidian volcanic uh, rock. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yep. But it's not as hot as it once was. Right. But it came out of pure hotness. That was its, yeah. its uh, origin.
1: That's such a good way to put it. I wouldn't have thought of that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs>
0: Okay, let's talk first about um, this this episode of the podcast, The Curious Case of Rutherford. Cases? Case? Cases? Let's talk about uh, the the episode of The Curious Cases of Rutherford and Fry called The Noises That Make Us Cringe. Sid, what happened in this episode?
3: Welcome to episode N of the Mth series of Curious Cases. We've stopped counting. Yeah, well, Hannah has a detailed spreadsheet, but unfortunately it's in Excel, so it got corrupted and we don't know how to read it. <laughs> Happens to the best of us. Yes, it does. But this one has been a particularly fun episode to record. They're all fun to record, but this is really gross. This is definitely one, you'll see, at, towards the end of the episode, we get to do something quite fun. And this is definitely one of those occasions where I zoomed out from myself, looked down at my life, and wondered how it could possibly have come to this. <laughs> you'll see. Enjoy.
1: Yeah, so it is Hannah Fry and her co host whose first name we still don't know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Sir I'll Rutherford.
1: Right yes, Sir Rutherford, um, are talking about noises that make people cringe, upset. The Things like nails on a chalkboard, babies crying, dentist drills, things that when you think of, you just kind of cringe. Um, they also talk about misophonia, which is the like very aggressive response to um, certain noises, the one that is most common or the one that I've heard of most commonly is people chewing. A lot of people have a very, like, large response to hearing people chew.
2: You have that? You have that? Oh, I absolutely do. And, um, I mean, like, yeah, the chewing thing is – is really bad and I think there's a lot of reasons for this like sometimes I wonder if you know the sound of people kind of quietly all eating around a table like we didn't really do that growing up my family mm. really wasn't like a sit around the table and eat every night so like there's something about the the forks and the slight slurping and the slight chewing and the stuff moving around that just makes my skin crawl but I happen to think not to get too far afield that because I had multiple ear surgeries as a child I mean, I don't love going to loud concerts. And I think it's Mm. because I literally had holes put in my eardrums to put tubes in because otherwise I might have died from infections. Hey, fun romance. Anyway, um, (laughs) but yeah, like that's that's the kind of thing they talk about. And uh, it can be there's a lot of factors involved. But yeah, when I first listened to it, I definitely remembered that part of it and went, I think I have a little bit of that, a little bit of like whatever the opposite of ASMR is.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's been a a switch in ASMR to like, I don't like ASMR very much as it is, but like, I feel like recently I've seen a lot of people like just eating into a microphone and I'm like, how, how is this what people want to listen to? Like, it makes me so uncomfortable.
0: Same. Is there a, is there, there's a crossover between ASMR and like mukbang videos, right? Those are, those are like, those are like slowly converging. They're
1: converging. Like, like there's like ASMR. This is a big one that I see on Instagram of people just chewing ice. They just have a a large ball of ice with like that's like water in the middle. It's not frozen all the way, and they just bite into it. And I'm like, why? Why? That
0: hurts every part of my body. All I at know, once.
1: right? It Like, makes your teeth feel all sensitive thinking about it. I yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, yeah. Not, <laughs> not great.
0: So the other, the other thing about this, like, I'd never heard this podcast before, and so I didn't know quite what to, what to expect. But it sort of reminded me. It's like a high budget podcast it's you know it's yeah. a big deal thing bbc funded uh kind of reminded me of like radio lab right like it's like yes, sort of like yes. we're gonna take this scientific thing and we're gonna examine it from a bunch of angles and also we're gonna use sound design as part of the storytelling mechanism so they brought in a foley artist and they tried to explain how a bunch of different interesting Foley stuff worked. But the thing that was most fascinating to me from the crush perspective was when she was getting into some more personal stuff about the sounds that annoy her. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I will give you a sound that annoys your crush, and you can tell me whether it's chill or it annoys you as well. So we'll test your compatibility (laughs) that way. Perfect. So early in the episode, she says that the dentist drill really, really, really gets on her nerves.
2: I don't – I don't actually hate that one. Like it's not pleasant and it vibrates your whole yeah. skull, but like that's not even in the top 10 that I could rattle off probably right now.
0: That one really does get me. Every time I go to the dentist and they like put the blood pressure monitor on me and stuff, they're like, "Wow, your blood pressure is really high." I'm like, "Yeah, it's cuz I'm at the fucking dentist." Stop Wait a minute. <laughs> Wait, a sec- to me. <laughs>
1: Wait a second. They put your they 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 take your blood pressure at your dentist?
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> They they love to do it. They do it multiple times because it's, like, so high because I'm at the dentist. Wow. I've
1: never have been blood pressured at the dentist um, <sighs> in my life. I don't want it. I don't want to. I've also never had a cavity. So I think I don't have the, like, super negative association with the drill. Whoa. I have had my wisdom teeth out, which that is the only, like, negative dental procedure I've had. But, like, I don't think I have as big of a negative, like, thought process around dental drills.
2: Yeah. So it yeah. doesn't super bother me. I I think that I just have a thing that I wish I could apply in more parts of my life, but it's almost like a brain a brain mode where I just go I cannot control this situation, so I'm going to try to make my body jello and try to breathe slowly. Mm. This will be over soon, um, and you know, like I had. Uh, I had a root canal with many, many, many different appointments because I decided to get it through a student – a discount student dentist thing. No! So mm-hmm. professors <laughs> had to come and sort of l- oversee all of this stuff. And in a few cases, it was like they'd come by and go, ooh, okay, stop doing that. You, need, you know, and it was – so it was many hours of no, no, them no, no, just no, no, sitting no. there like kind of excavating my tooth nerve – um, I literally at one point got pretty chummy with the student dentist. I was like, look, I want you to put so much Novocaine in me that I can't feel myself fart. I'm not kidding. You need to drug me up. Anyway, but the drill, I feel like I now can say with some authority, that's not the issue for me. I'll answer the next one okay. more, <laughs> more succinctly. It's the student promise.
0: dentist. <laughs> uh, next one is, she doesn't like the sound of knives
2: really oh they can be so the nice. reason
0: the reason is because of the association she said she was watching horror movies and the, when they start doing the knife sounds before the knives actually show up she started getting really scared and then now whenever she hears like a knife sound we'll put a knife sound and i'll <laughs> put a knife sound in um she, she 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 can't she can't stand it and she just leaves the room
2: so far fairly incompatible um, on yeah, this in not this working. exact yeah. <laughs> way i recently did sound design for uh, an animatic like for for a like an animated project and had to do like poor man's foley with like finding sound effects and putting them in and yeah like swords being unsheathed and clickety clacks like that's absolutely fine so far it's a, it's metal and metallic things that she seems yeah, to be responding to yeah good point poor, poor man's
0: Poor man's Foley is my weird owl cover um, <laughs> uh The last one is, and this is going to sound weird, but dry things rubbing together. And she specifically calls out her husband. She does have a husband and two daughters who does this with his
2: toes. Like, Love okay. The toes and the socks. Yeah, and it's I all think she's dry right the for socks. For
0: some reason, I don't know.
2: That's so interesting. Yeah, that's not... I mean, if somebody did it next to my ear for 10 minutes while I was trying to read, I probably wouldn't love that. But no, that does not at all come to mind. It's like, it seems like perhaps dryness is also a theme. Because to me, it's like, if it's uh, a certain kind of like, like you know, a baby screaming. Like, nobody likes that. But also just like wet, mucky, kind of like, um, often mouth sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and not so much like – I don't know. I think that some of these things she's talking about can be very satisfying, uh, particularly the knives thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they they did – on the note of wet mouth sounds, I guess, <laughs> um, they did mention that the, like the number one thing that people are like universally hate is like people being – like getting sick, like throwing up. Like that mouth oh, sound yeah. is a big like – everyone's yeah. no-go and that makes a lot of sense because you you are basically trained from the time you're an infant that like if you hear someone toss their tacos I don't know um, <laughs> yeah. but like you need to get away because they are going to get you sick like
2: yeah yeah which it is it strange sense, but. the, the built in empathy we have it's kind of like it, seeing if you see somebody get like kicked or punched in certain body parts it's just so much more of a of like a empathy trigger than, like, seeing somebody get punched on the face in some action movie. That doesn't make me go, ow, my face hurts. I know, right? But it's just something about, I don't, I, I, yeah, that's really interesting. That is definitely not a fun one. The the taco toss. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all.
0: Um, Let's move on to another video, which we'll have in the show notes. This is from the comedian you mentioned earlier. Uh, I think his name is Matt, uh, Matt Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a video about Bayesian statistics with Hannah Fry.
3: The problem is I don't know much about Bayesian statistics. I would need someone who uses it in their mathematical research to help me to explain it, which is why I'm joined by Dr. Hannah Fry. Hello. So, wow, there you go. <laughs> Chances of finding I, me here. It's, it's the first time I've found you here, so I don't know. Um, although yeah. now I've found a mathematician, I can update my belief that this is Bayes' house. It tips you, you know, over the threshold over now. A, I'm going to keep doing that all video. So anyway, uh, Bayesian stats. Yes. Well, what I thought we'd do is we go inside and I would uh, show you how to recreate an experiment that Bayes himself used to really clarify how he saw the world. Let's do it. And my question here is, um,
0: is Hannah Fry Bayesian? Is she Bayesian?
2: I mean... <laughs> well, is I... she Bayesian? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, you got me. Um, <laughs> I mean, she will always be a little bit of of my Bayesian. Um, you know, she's like a but, but uh, yeah. I mean, like like I forget. I mean, I think obviously based on the fact that she was presenting this information, hmm. I think you were maybe fully joking with that question. But I'm also like, okay, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> yes.
0: Uh- uh, no, we can actually talk about what she was really talking about. So, like, this is very interesting to me because b- the first time I encountered Bayesian logic or Bayesian anything was—it's um, one of the key ways that spam filters are implemented in um, like modern mail apps.
1: That's why I so, knew that word.
0: <laughs> yeah, Bayesian like, I filtering. Couldn't, I couldn't but figure out it's used where for tons it. and tons of things, and it's like a really key. Um logical statistical theorem that has been used all over the world. Basically, they demonstrate it in this um, in this video, in this kind of really clear physical way where uh, Matt is sits down and is instructed to throw a ball behind him and the ball lands somewhere and Hannah is sort of standing over him in a very professorial math teacher kind of way, and like, okay, so where do you think the ball was? And basically the answer is he has no information, right? There's no, there, he has no idea where the ball fell on the table behind him. And then she instructs him to throw the ball again and again and again and starts telling him um, sort of in a battleship kind of way like, okay, it's more to the north and more to the east, more to the north and more yeah, to the west.
1: She, she tells um, him relationally where where his ball has landed in relation to the initial ball toss.
0: Exactly, and yeah. proves through Bayesian uh, Bayesian logic that he the more times he throws it, especially if he throws it randomly, uh, the closer he'll get to figuring out where it is. Um, and I, I just thought that was such a really uh, beautiful visual way to to explain this. I don't know what were your thoughts, Brent? Oh,
2: I loved it. And 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 again, I think that the way they decided to do it brought out a sense of play. You know, just literally tossing balls around. Um, and I did definitely, you know, I don't think I'd watched that episode And today when uh, she was rattling off the list. She was like, okay, so we're going to need some balls. And I was like, it just kind of took me out of my... I was right. Like, oh, really? Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, like, it, it it's fun seeing her have fun showing somebody else how something works. And she also... <sighs> there's this thing I'm not quite sure how to put my finger on, but, like... When some you said professorial, it's when, somebody the clit. Can, no. when, <laughs> when somebody can <laughs> when somebody when somebody encourages you and almost uh, I don't know if maternal's the word I mean, but like she was saying, Okay, so you did it you did it this way, and then you did it that way, and um, yeah, and just like there's a little bit of this energy that's mom helping you figure something out. Why is that? <laughs> Uh, attractive? Mm. You'll have to ask Freud and Jung. Um, but that's in the bonus episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Know. We'll <laughs> have my we'll have my therapist on, and we'll all talk about it. Um, but yeah. no, but like, there's something about that vibe that even though in real life too much of that might feel condescending to me, just something. It's almost there's a confidence to it. Reminds me of someone that um, used to you know run a board game night and teach us new board games, and then when you would do something halfway well, she would say. Nicely done. And there was just something about it that was so attractive because it wasn't condescending. And even Hannah just talking about how to throw this ball to illustrate Bayesian logic was – there's just an energy that is so comforting and yet confident wrapped up into one thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like we do have to point out that she is pregnant in this video. Yeah, She's also – is this the video where she's wearing green? There was a video where she's wearing green and I'm like – it's she looks so good in green. I oh yeah. It she looks so good in green, but yeah, she is pregnant in this video, and I don't know. Is that are do we are are you attracted to pregnant Hannah Fry? Um, you know, it I
2: I noticed as well, and you know when they say oh you're glowing, like I don't really know what, exactly what yeah. that means, but <laughs> like there is something. I mean, look, you know, I don't know how, how deep we're going down here, but it's, like, while I don't really seek out, let's say, in my porn life, typically sure. don't, like, yeah. specifically go for, like, you know, pregnant women. Like, it, there's something, ugh, I'm, like, I'm on, I'm sort of tiptoeing, but it's, like, if you like curves, well, someone who's pregnant <laughs> is just overflowing. It's the most right? It's all curves. Exactly, exactly. So there's something just kind of primally um, attractive about it to me, even though that's not, it's, it's not meant to be consumed by me in that way, but like, yeah. I can't lie. There's just something about it. Um, so yeah, I noticed And one of the commenters,
0: one of the commenters commented on the pregnancy thing in a way that made me laugh on the YouTube video. They just said making a pregnant woman repeatedly bend down and pick up his throws while he's sitting in a comfy chair. <laughs> <laughs> like,
1: no, it's true though. It's true. That's Why? So
2: funny. And with and she had no complaints and no I no mean complaints. she just absolutely and she strikes me as someone who is a I, I'll do it myself don't pamper me yeah you know mm-hmm. yeah. probably yeah. right so up maybe. until the day like halfway through yep. labor she's like I'll get it you know um, <laughs> yeah that's how she how she strikes me
1: totally so the last piece of media we're going to talk about is the. TED talk that Hannah Fry did on the mathematics of love, which she has three top tips on how to have a better dating life. Or how to, is it, how, I think it's specifically how to, no, it's, I was going to say it's, I thought it was specifically about dating apps, but I'm.
2: Well, there's how to find love, and there is yes. one illustration she gives that really stuck with me mm-hmm. about dating apps. But yeah, it's sort of also the broader, like, if you're looking to find the one, here's a mathematical model for
1: that. <laughs>
3: Today, I want to talk to you about the mathematics of love. Now, I think that we can all agree that mathematicians are famously excellent at finding love. Um, but it's not just because of our dashing personalities, superior uh, conversational skills, and excellent pencil cases. Um, it's also because we've actually done an awful lot of work into the maths of how to find the perfect
1: partner for some reason feel like i may have watched before i don't know like i was watching it last night and it struck me as like i feel like i may have seen this but i'm not quite sure but it was so interesting like five million views i know that's why i think i might have seen it yeah 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 but yeah so her first tip is uh you're better off with a bimodal you're better off with a bimodal distribution of attractiveness do you want to explain
2: that? <laughs> yes. And as a bald man, I feel this so hard. Okay. Um, and, and, and also this was um, – it's funny. This was – in that book, Dataclysm, this was also <laughs> corroborated. So this is one of my – you know, if I'm ever talking about dating apps, somebody's like, oh, I'm unlucky in love. I'm like, okay, here's what you're doing wrong. <laughs> so basically – and I'm really boiling it down, but it's like if you're trying to appeal to everybody – uh, and trying to hide things you deem unattractive about yourself, let's say in, uh, in daily life or certainly in uh, dating app pictures, you're doing yourself a disservice because there's someone out there who likes bald guys or who has no issue with bald guys. And then there's people that, uh, bless them, they just aren't into it. And I don't, you know, that's just their thing. We've all got things that we're into and we're not. But I was someone who, in my early days of OkCupid, okay my main profile picture was me in, like, uh, one of those floppy, like, winter fur hats that covers your ears. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just to, mm-hmm. like, mm. you know, because it was it was almost like, oh, if they think I'm cute in this one, maybe they'll just keep clicking and, and statistically I'll be more likely to, you know, whatever, whatever. But actually, it's like, no, you're bald or you don't like your nose or you don't like this or that. Like, actually put it out there with confidence because it's better for fewer people to find you very attractive than for everyone to find you averagely attractive. Um, and so, and there, and obviously that's, that's been borne out through math based on OkCupid's, they might not do it anymore, but at one time you rated somebody on a one to five and that revealed a ton of stuff because OkCupid was founded by mathematicians and, um, they just catch everything. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, the reason why the reason uh, that she talks about and the OkCupid founders talk about in the blog post, which is sadly not online anymore, but there is a TechCrunch archive of it, which we'll we'll throw in the notes, is. Basically, if you seem super attractive and you seem like you'd be super attractive to everyone, a bunch of people will be scared off from messaging you because they think, yes. oh, that person's so hot that I would never have a chance. Whereas if you seem attractive to a group of people but also seem like, oh, maybe not everyone would know that or maybe not everyone would figure that out, you're easier to message, which is exactly what you want to be on an, okay, on a, an app like that.
1: And that's why no one messaged me on dating apps because I was just too hot and everyone was scared. I think that's what exactly. happened, right?
2: <laughs> too conventional it's tough to be intimidating.
1: Too attractive.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the second one is um, is is based on this, this well-known piece of math called the secretary problem, which is, uh, is problematic for its own reasons. But it, it basically in it, she talks about how you should – if you're trying to marry – one and only one person, and you're trying to do it in a certain age range, and and there's a lot of provisos, um, you should follow a specific mathematic trajectory to do that, which is to reject the first 37% of romantic partners that you date, no matter what, no matter how attracted to them you are, no matter how great they seem. And then you should marry the one that is the next one, who is also better than anyone else you've previously dated, including the people that you rejected. Uh, True or false?
2: You know, this one confused me. And I should mm. zoom out briefly to say I think I'm more into the energy and vibe of Hannah Fry than I am necessarily into always fully walking away with a robust understanding of what she has said. It's usually <laughs> yeah. a, you you have your takeaways, but what I couldn't figure out is 37 reject 37%, but it's like at what point do you decide you've gotten to the 100% mark? Um Like, I I mean, I just listened to this and was, like, having a little bit of a hard time following but so enamored I didn't care. Like, sometimes I will just, like, drift off and be like – what would it be like to kiss you? Oh, shit, you're still talking math. Um, but, uh, well, but I think, yeah. I think
0: that's, that actually belies that, – that actually belies the problem with this, which is that this is based on a – you're getting a bunch of applications for a secretary and you need mm-hmm. to hire the best secretary. Right. So the first 37 percent of people that you interview, you know because you scheduled the interviews. You know mm-hmm. how many people there are. In life and in romance – Things are not this simple, and I obviously Hannah Fry knows that. She's way smarter than me, but she's trying to take a mathematical concept and make it relatable by applying it to a field where maybe it doesn't always make the most sense.
2: Well, yeah, it sort of assumes that you'd have a hundred suitors lined up, right. and but I it right. makes it makes sense that like once you've gotten to that point, the the next person who's I think better than you've had better before, than yeah yes. right
1: yeah I. I think she was talking about it. This my takeaway was that she meant like thirty or seven percent of like time wise, because it was specifically like getting married by a specific age. So right, I, I think she right, meant, right. yeah, fifteen I to think, thirty-five. Yeah. So I think she yeah, so fifteen. or I think it was fifteen to thirty, but whatever the like range for like you want to get married by the time you're thirty. So it's thirty-seven. Like I think in the like actual problem, it's thirty-seven percent of like people, but I think she interpreted it as like 37 percent of the time so it gives you an age to start like which like does make sense because like if you're 15 you're not thinking like if you start dating at 15 I don't think you're thinking about marriage yet I mean I say that I know I do know some people who probably (laughs) are but but a lot of people you might think
2: you are anyway
1: you're not taking them as like serious candidates to get married to right
2: right
0: And the last one is about divorce, which I, uh, you know, I don't have any experience with. I don't think any of our any of our uh, folks here have experience with. But it's about uh, something that I have heard a lot, which is that um, this guy, Dr. John Gottman, who's an American psychologist and professor, also has done tons of research. He's literally been studying for four decades. Why do people get divorced? Why do some people get divorced, and why do some people stay together? And this finding, which I've seen in in relationship stuff, but also in management training programs I've been a part of is basically there's an equation that that Dr. Gottman can use to predict whether a couple is going to get divorced or stay together. And it's based on something called the negativity threshold, which is like how often in your relationship are you... um, tolerating things that bother you or are you actually discussing those these small things that bother you and working on constantly fixing it and this is this leads us to the 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 advice that you hear all the time now or you'll see it on instagram or whatever which is like you should really have a relationship check-in or like a one-on-one with your partner Mm -hmm. uh, to just talk about the tiny things that like we could just make this five percent better or one percent better and like i have that in, in my relationship it's great i recommend it to anybody um uh, what what are your thoughts on that? How do you how do you keep your relationship strong? And did this influence you at all?
2: Well, yes, as it happens, this um, dovetailed with uh, John Gottman also having part of a story on This American Life, a podcast I used to mm. listen to. And like this actually it's funny. This is a huge part of my relationship advice to anybody else. And the way I look at my own. He um, and I forget how deep Hannah went into this, but he developed a coding system where if he listens to a couple argue, there are certain things that you push in that code and it spits out kind of like a Cosmo quiz. It spits out like a prediction of how long you're going to stay together and how likely you are to stay together. And my takeaway mainly was that anger is actually in in a counterintuitive way, not an indicator of a bad relationship or a soon-to-fail relationship. If you're angry, but you're validating each other, you're listening, and I say, well, I wish you wouldn't do that. And she's like, okay, I understand that, but listen, you know, like, as opposed to stonewalling, contempt, venom. Mm -hmm. I personally feel like, having been in a number of relationships that didn't work, once you get to stonewalling, contempt, uh, resentment, resentment, and venom; these are the termites that if you don't get them early, really start to, you know, um, uh, I mean, you know, they eat away at the foundation. And, yeah. um, you know, I think that the fact that it has been uh, translated to math, this is all kind of in a roundabout way, circling back to Hannah Fry. This is part of what I love about what she does is that, obviously math's important. You don't get an iPhone without math. You don't go to space without math. But how easy is it for me to understand all of that? And does it feel like it applies to my life in a constructive way that will stick? But what I love about the mathematics of love is that it is math-based. It is quantifiable and scientific, but um, it also is universal in a way that, you know, trigonometry perhaps does not feel quite so applicable to everyone's life.
0: So I don't know if this will make you feel better or worse or neither, but I was since I'd never heard of Hannah Fry, I'd never been exposed to Hannah's work. I was not one of the 5 million people that saw the TED Talk. Um, I was just curious if other people have this crush, and I just did what I normally do when I'm wondering about this. I just typed her name into reddit.com, which is a bad idea. I wouldn't recommend <laughs> doing that. Um, but I did find that, uh, yeah, the lesbians are into it. Lady boners is is, is into it. Uh, redheaded goddesses <laughs> came up and geek boners. So there is a decent amount of folks that are that are uh attracted to hannah and like have a crush um does that surprise you or does that seem like no no i think everybody would be into
2: hannah fry it doesn't surprise me um though i'm curious of like the 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 raw percentage of people that you know see her (laughs) like of them how many but um it doesn't surprise me at all like i i don't i think that i can sometimes um I'm not sure acquired taste makes sense, but sometimes uh, stray from perhaps what people consider to be, like, the mainstream. Like, there are certain people that almost everyone finds devastatingly attractive. Mm -hmm. And there are perhaps less, uh, uh, I don't know, conventional. I'm trying to pick my words here because this is all wrapped up in some, like, probably not great shit that humanity needs to improve on. But here we are. Um, So, yeah, doesn't surprise me, but... I am curious as to the ratio of like pure objectification versus oh my god I'm in love with her brain. I looked and into the care comments less what she looks like. It's you know? all
0: about the voice, it's all about the, the, yes. the personality. It's oh. all yeah. Yeah,
2: it's deep.
1: That's so It's interesting. holistic, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So as a <clears throat> internet video personality yourself, do you do people do you how do you feel about people who crush on you, or do you know of anyone who crushes on you? It
2: is well, yes, um, <laughs> and it's gotten. I mean, it's it's gotten like sometimes it's really, occasionally it's really uh, edifying and a nice reminder that I'm cute. Um, But it can get out of hand. I'll say this. I am so lucky in this way that I am not a woman because every now and then I get what I consider to be probably the tiniest drop in the bucket of what uh, women experience on the Internet. Like, for instance, I recently very lightly came out as bi on Twitter. I didn't really want to make, like, a huge deal of it. That's its own psychological thing. But I just wanted it to get out there and wanted to put it on my bio. And immediately yeah. some guy who is a podcast listener DMs me in this way that feels slightly opportunistic. And mm-hmm. I think about when I was in college and some uh, classmate suddenly was single and I just suddenly showed up. Um, you know, that <laughs> kind of like when you're not thinking, when you're maybe just clumsily, you know. Um, there's that. I did at one time have to kind of ask for some space from a fan who just was, you know, who just really was being presumptuous and a little creepy, and it's like, I never want to make anyone feel creepy, because I have, even in moments of being perfectly well-intentioned in my younger days, been made to feel like a creepy guy, and that really sucks, but this was like, you know, getting to the point where... Crossing a line. Yeah, well, I mean, she basically, she apparently... (laughs) (laughs) Separated from her husband and then found out that I was single and tried to, like, get fit and come to all these conventions that I was going to be at. (laughs) And then, like, kept on creating um, pretexts to be in hotel rooms together, none of which I fell for. And then when I told her, uh, lightly told her about the difference between fans and friends because it was getting out of hand, um, I just saw her face darken. And then I saw screenshots that were shared with me of... This this tirade on Twitter about how she would have had a shot if I hadn't been obviously having sex with this other person in the you know community, which actually I totally was, but I that wasn't the reason. (laughs) 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 Yeah, um, it's it's funny. Video game console, I don't know. (laughs) Well, I mean, she had noticed the online, the the social media interactions, Mm -hmm. the little tiny flirty winks between me and this other person. And anyway, but in general, it can be very lovely, especially when the the only time it's sad is when someone who is not just a fan, but someone, you know, sometimes someone is more of a colleague or not just a fan or whatever. They're in, you know what I mean? Like they're Mm -hmm. in your space in a certain way and sometimes you can just tell you meet them, they're liking your your posts a lot, they're responding Mm -hmm. in a certain way maybe there's DMing that really doesn't, it's premised upon things that don't need to be a DM, but there it is and then when you suddenly feel the absence of that, and maybe it coincides with, oh, picture of a new boyfriend okay, like, (laughs) it can be a little sad, and like, you could never ask them so did you have a crush on me, and it's kind of like, you know cooled, you can never ask them, but like Sometimes you just know that somebody's phase with you has just um minimized or or gone away and yeah um I nobody owes me the quality of having a crush on me but it can be sometimes a little um a little strange like mourning that time when someone you thought was cute or cool or whatever all the above was definitely into you in a certain way.
0: Yeah yeah, everyone owes me having a crush on me. Uh, just <laughs> um, and you all owe me that. Uh, it's the least you could do. Uh, so, so, um. Uh, Hannah is, pr- is is pretty private online. She does interviews from time to time, but she's mostly uh, pretty professionally focused, but she does have an Instagram. So uh, sometimes when we have folks on the show, we like to play a game called Cosplay Corner, which is where we look at cosplayer, cosplayers of their, uh, their character that they have a crush on. But today, since it's a real person, I figure we'll do Instagram intersection instead, which Ooh. is I will send you in the chat uh, an Instagram photo and just ask you um, to react to it. Uh, this one is about her favorite number.
2: Let me get it okay here. There it is. Just take a look. Right, And I'm going to copy paste it into – oh, it won't let me. Okay. Well, we're going to open Chrome and hope for the okay. best, y'all. Here right, we go. 86 tabs. Um, okay. Oh, I see. <laughs> I so so see. what What number
1: is that? What's that number? Well, there?
2: she's she's holding. Her face is not visible. Uh, her Her delightful freckly hand is holding a calculator in front of her torso, um, and it, the number is five eight zero zero eight. But it is it is positioned in a way that, from her perspective, it would say boobs hmm. on. Uh, <laughs> And the caption is "Whenever people ask my favorite number." And little things like this make me think that she's—I don't know. I—I'd be shocked if she wasn't. uh, What's the word I even mean? Like, just some people are more quote sexual than others. She's saucy. She's
0: yes, exactly flirty. She's a little exactly Mm -hmm.
2: yes, perfectly. All right.
0: The next the next photo, I, I guess this is some Game of Thrones-related thing I don't really understand. I'm just wondering, since I'm a cocktail nerd, and you know a decent amount about cocktails as well, what do you think she's drinking here, and what would you make her if, if it was up to you?
2: That looks to me—and, I mean, you are definitely, uh, Matt, just light years beyond me in mixology. Um, but, I mean, is that— I always mix up Campari and Aperol, which I'm sure is like just ridiculous. They're pretty similar. Campari's are, are they both a little red? Bit
0: more bitter? Yeah, they're both red.
2: Okay, okay. That makes me feel so much better. Um <laughs> but like it looks like a cocktail that I probably wouldn't like because both of those <laughs> things you know, every fancy cocktail menu, every cocktail's like Three things you love, and then one thing you either don't know what it is, or you're like, man, everything was going great, and then you were like, creme de shoe polish or whatever it is, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> we garnished it
0: with shiso leaf. It's like, what?
2: What? <laughs> exactly. It's like, could you just take that out? Um, but yeah, I don't know that I would like that cocktail. It does look like some kind of um, spirit forward, uh, yeah. not necessarily yeah. as like usually I do cocktails as dessert.
0: I could see it being a negroni. I could see it being a negroni, but that's usually served over ice. Sometimes it's served up. Say, it could be
1: a negroni or, or something like negroni that. But it's not that's a spr- negroni up. It feels like a weird choice to put in a, a martini glass to put a negroni in a Absolutely. martini glass. Yeah, but. yeah,
0: yeah. And finally, this one just struck me because it, it's just it's just your crush posing in four different ways, and I'm wondering which
2: one is the hottest. <laughs> wow. <laughs> This is interesting. And the thing is that like these are not these are not necessarily shot to be uh, thirst traps, let's say.
0: No. Um, silly, these are silly. all
2: kind of like not candid, but, yeah, um, mm-hmm. I think the one on the top, you know, oh, this is tough. This is really yeah, it's tough. tough. It's tough. Um, I think I was gonna say the top right. But now that I'm really looking, the top left, sorry, sorry, the bottom left, makes me feel like I could almost simulate the uh, situation in which she would be laughing really hard at something I said. Um, (laughs)
0: Okay. Like,
2: top left, she's laughing, but this is one where, like, her arms are up, like, I just said the life of the party thing that, you know. Um, Now, did I have to make it about me? Yes. Um, uh, (laughs) You're the guest. Yeah, but um, no, I, I think that would be the one. But she's just she's just so cute, and she has a sense that she loves to have fun. And you know what? Maybe that's all an act, but she does it well, and it really just seems like being around her would be a I think she's really blast. playful. I think yeah. playful.
0: You use the word playful multiple times during this interview, and I that's the I got that immediately. Like she just wants to play. She just wants yeah. to have fun.
2: Yeah.
1: She
0: wants to talk about math, but like yeah. not in a boring way, and right. that's what's great about her.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I love her fun energy, her fun math energy. Um, (laughs) Okay, so last question, moment of truth. Assuming you were single or your relationship allowed it, do you think you'd actually want to date or hook up with Hannah Fry in real life? Absolutely. Why or why not? Yes. Oh, so
2: why <laughs> okay. not? I mean, what I'm picturing is like, I mean, why would she be at the same kind of co- Here it is, ready? Let's I one do it. time went to a video game convention. It was we were snowed in and couldn't leave town because the buses weren't running, but another convention started setting up like because suddenly the convention we went to was was moved out. Yeah. So suddenly it was like a trade show for window blinds, and I'm not kidding. <laughs> But what if it were, like, the mathematics symposium and, like, she's setting her thing up and then we just... Oh, Hannah Fry, I'm familiar with you. (laughs) Oh, Floss, I, in a completely unlikely situation, uh, have seen your videos. Oh, well, what are you doing later? And then, like, you know, a hot hotel hookup. Dating? I don't know. Because I have gotten to the age where... I don't believe that someone seeming like they'd be fun to date in video media...
0: Yeah. It's not a thing.
2: No. And the thing is, it may well be true, but I think that, you know, my metaphor for it is that... You know, somebody recently tweeted on uh, on Twitter, which is where you tweet things. Um, <laughs> yeah. They said, are you your real self on Twitter mm. or just a persona? And I was like, that's kind of like asking a die, are you really two? It's like, yes, I'm also three and six and one, but, like, I found that people like my two side much more. So, yes, in this instance, I'm two. And maybe the side of the die she shows is not something she could always, you know, be like 24 Mm -hmm. hours a day, but it's a fun, engaging side of her. So dating, I don't know. But I'd be shocked, assuming she was into it, um, I'd be shocked if we didn't have just the most fun hookup.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Beautiful. Well, Brent, thank you again so much for being on the show. Um you can find out more about Brent uh, like he mentioned on Twitter at uh Brentalfloss. Is there anything else you'd like to plug, Brent?
2: Sure. Um uh briefly if 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 you'd like to follow the development of a Star Trek parody musical, uh I have a semi-secret Twitter account that's just a little <laughs> community that like follows that. Uh, And that's at the non-catchy at U-A-S-T-P-M. Again, that's U-A-S-T-P-M. Stands for Unauthorized Star Trek Parody Musical. Um, There's that. Uh, My party game, which is a lot like Jackbox, but I think certainly has a style all its own, a little bit more of a Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of vibe, uh, is uh, Use Your Words. You can find more about that at useyourwords.lol. And uh, I have silly content about video games uh, youtube.com/ Brenno floss I will tell you because I started doing that in my early 20s the farther you go back the more you'll see the occasional content notes in the descriptions I'm we're all growing and I'm trying to model that growth but I'm just telling you now uh, if it's before say 2012 just
1: read the description just read the description yeah, we won't no.
0: tell Hannah about those old videos <laughs> thank you
2: much appreciated.
1: And you can find more episodes of this show at AbsolutelyCrushed.com or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CrushedPod for even more crushy content.
0: So, Sid, I got to ask you, this week, who is your crush and where can folks find you online?
1: All right. So my girlfriend, Quinn, and I have been watching, well, just finished because it's only two seasons, um, Special on Netflix, which is an amazing show and I fully recommend it. And one of the characters, which I'm gonna I'm gonna link to a Tumblr post, <laughs> um, oh boy, is named Henry, and he is um, gay and autistic, and he ends up like spoiler warning, I guess, um, ends up dating the main character in the show who has cerebral palsy. But I this this guy, his outfits are amazing. He's like the most like unapologetically like queer and like excited and just like open to do anything person like he's wearing like a dress and a skirt and like a sheer mesh top and I love it and I am in love with his character so that's yeah who I look.
0: didn't know about this show or this character but I feel like I do I need to now because this looks yeah. amazing
1: it's <laughs> such a good sh- it's genuinely one of the best shows the first whole first season the episodes are only 15 minutes like super easy to just binge watch 10 out of 10 special on netflix fully recommend and then my twitter and insta are at sid underscore andyson and i think that's it for me what about you matt what's your who's your crush and where's your stuff on the internet
0: it is a person uh my crush this week is this guy named greg from the youtube channel how to drink i love um let me see if i can get you a photo so you can so you can appreciate this man Um, he always wears this, uh, he always wears an apron and a very fancy mechanical watch. Daddy. He's he's
2: so hot. (laughs) Just chop a, chop some wood in front of me. Wow.
1: He's
0: so good at making cocktails. He's so good at making content and he is so hot.
1: He's so so underrated. How to Drink is such an underrated YouTube channel. I love it. I mean, I will say he's got
2: 110,000 followers on Instagram. So, like, in in a way, he's rated. um, But but also, like, I get what it's like when you have a crush on somebody, you're always like, how are there not more people that are into this beautiful person? Yeah, no, you're right.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I have been and still am Matthew Bischoff, at least for now. I'm on Twitter at MB on Instagram at Matt B. And I write on my own website, which is just my full name, matthewbischoff.com. And that is our show. Until next time, stay crushing.